0: Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is a podcast where Brian Winhurst and a team of ESPN insiders sort out life in and around the NBA world. Now three times a week and also available on YouTube. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, I'll talk about the biggest problem the Lakers have that nobody is talking about. Also, your stories about unfortunate run-ins with venue security. But first... All right, man, Um, you know, I don't like to be the doom and gloom guy. I want to be the guy that comes in with things to celebrate. Unfortunately, the NFL decided to give us a decidedly mediocre slate of games. I mean, we got the sorry Steelers against the Dolphins, and that was the Sunday night game. We got the 49ers and the Chiefs as the game of the week, and I mean... I mean, I understand why we thought the 49ers would be a little better. There's a number of reasons for that. But now we got mediocrity there. And then one o'clock slates was just all the mediocrity, all of it. But who knew that adding to the mediocrity would be our friends Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady? Now, earlier in the season, Dominique and I raised this question. We said we were going to give it six weeks before we raised the question. Is Tom Brady cooked? Okay. Dominique was willing to go earlier on whether or not Tom Brady was cooked. I was like, I'm away six weeks because I did not seen this movie before. And it worked out with me saying Tom Brady was cooked. And then the Patriots three, four months later, winning a Super Bowl. I did not want to have to go through that again. So I just wanted to wait, see what was going on, see what we could talk about. And... Tom Brady is really 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 good to be 45 years old the problem with that is that's the virtual equivalent of saying somebody looks good to be 90 you look good to be 90 if you lay on your back and your chest goes up and down because you are still breathing that's the best looking thing that you can do when you are 90 years old right because most of your partners are not doing that all right so basically, Tom Brady walking out and looking reasonably competent at 45 years old is really good for 45 years old. But this is where I cut Tom Brady a measure of slack and as I'm trying to figure out like, what exactly to think about him. I understand the Bucs can't run the ball. Um, Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders in his football almanac it always makes a point and it's something that's stuck with me, which is the quality of your running game really has to do with your offensive line. Your sack count has to do with your quarterback. Sacks are quarterback stat, right? The Bucs don't have an offensive line worth discussing. Therefore, they're not going to be able to run. Since they can't run, they just throw the ball all the damn time. The problem is they're trying to throw the ball all the damn time. With a 45-year-old man. Like, that's not... No matter what you think of Tom Brady, I don't think that he's at the point in his career where it's just like, Hey, Tom, we're going to jump on your back. You want to create a situation where you've got Tom Brady and all of his great decisions and you do all this other stuff around him and then he comes in, makes great decisions, and you know he's not going to fold up when this stuff starts to matter. Okay? But Tom Brady throwing the ball 49 times, you running the ball 16 times, and you only score three points. That ain't gonna do it. It's it. It's just not going to do it. And so I guess this becomes less a question of whether or not Tom Brady is cooked than it becomes is Tom Brady good enough to do what Tampa Bay needs him to do? And the answer to me pretty clearly seems to be no. And yes, I understand that's a pretty easy thing to say on an afternoon where Tom Brady, honest to God, was outplayed by P.J. Walker. Like, there's no way that you watched that game and did not think that P.J. Walker played better than Tom Brady. He did. This is bad. Like, this for him is the ultimate. You had it right the first time, and the first time being when you were like, yeah, I'm not going to play this year. That's probably where he had it best. Now, yeah, you can point to stuff like that pass he threw to uh Mike Evans that Evans absolutely should not have had. He looked like he was just in a different world in this game. He should have absolutely had that. But yeah, if he scores that, then the score in the end is what, 21 to 10? Like that's what we're talking about? It's 21 to 10. Like the Bucs were remarkably close to getting shut out here. And they got a lot of things that are all coming together, right? One of them being I was now wild about the Ty Bowles hire when they made it, right? So I don't know how good of a head coach they have. I know that Ty Bowles is supposed to be Mister Defense, and that defense was rolling early, but they just got a run through by the Panthers. And again, PJ Walker outplayed Tom Brady. Like, I feel like we're kind of across the board about at the give up point on this one with Brady. And it's not going to wind up being like a Johnny Unitas with the uh, Chargers kind of situation, right? Like, I don't think this is going to be one of those things where by the time we get to the end of the year, Tom Brady looks to be embarrassing. Or I don't even think it's going to be like the last year of Brett Favre where finally he gets hurt. And then you look around and you're just like, oh my goodness, what is this? And it's just not the guy that you had seen before. And you know, like, oh, this is over. There's no way he's coming back. Like, with Brady, I think we know there's no way he's coming back. But I don't think it's going to necessarily look bad or necessarily look to be embarrassing. But you do have to wonder for him, like, was this worth it? Like, what was it? Because the thing about Brady, and not to say that he should be playing for external validation, and not to say that the thing that he should be thinking about when he's playing is legacy and all these big words that we like to use, use as, you know, sports commentators and analysts. But I do think, or do raise the question, what was there left for him to play for other than the fun of playing? Like, the difference between saying Tom Brady is a seven-time Super Bowl champion and an eight-time Super Bowl champion, like, does not really matter? It's like, what's the difference between saying that Bill Russell is an 11-time champion versus a nine-time champion, you know, or a 10-time champion? It's not changing anything, right? Like, the way we feel about that man is ultimately the same. So, if you weren't in it for that, if there was no real change that you were going to get at the margins on that one, then you could only really be in this for the fun. Does this seem like fun to you? Like does this seem like it would be your idea of a good time? What is going on with the Bucs as we stand? Because it doesn't. Like at this point in his career, even though Tom Brady is better now than Peyton Manning was in 2015 with um the Broncos in that year they won the Super Bowl, and you know, Manning just didn't have it to the point where they had to bench him for eight months. I mean for eight weeks. Even if he doesn't look like that, your thought if you're Tampa Bay is, okay, but like if we, you know, it was the same thought the Broncos had. It's like, hey, if we get to a certain point, we still rather have him when it matters than anybody else. But that requires a level of defense that the Bucs aren't playing. Like the 2015 defense that the Broncos had, it wasn't a good defense. It wasn't a great defense. It was an all-time great defense. The Bucs aren't playing all-time great defense. And I think for the Brady that they have, no matter what they have surrounding him, to get this done is going to take all-time great defense. I don't think they're going to be able to put that together. And so what you're going to have, basically, is just a miserable year of Tom Brady all the way out. A year that isn't winning for anybody. And then for Tampa, I don't know what you're supposed to do on the life after Tom Brady situation. I don't really know how you're supposed to build on that. I don't know, I don't know what it is that they're supposed to do. Oh, well, good luck, fellas. Um, on a similar front, Gabe, did you happen to watch any of the Packers and the Commandos?
1: I did see the gif that was at the from at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. It was like the clock was ticking down, and Rodgers was just face-planted on the turf, mm-hmm. and it was like one, two, three, four, just <laughs> absolutely still. <laughs> That's all I saw from it.
0: So I did not watch that much of that game because it never dawned on me that the Packers might lose to the Commandos. Not with the Commandos out there with Tyler Heineke. I mean, Taylor Heineke. And look, I was up on Taylor Heineke early last year, and then I was like, oh, this ain't nothing but a feel-good story, right? This is is fan favorite. This dude looked like he won a raffle. Congratulations to whoever's sitting in Section 385, Row G, Seat 4, How'd you like to play quarterback for the home team? But they beat them. They beat them. And see, what's tricky about it with the Packers is it can be difficult for me to tell at times what is Aaron Rodgers being cooked and what is these dudes not getting open? And then I talk to the people who know a little more about this than I do, and they tell me, so I'm like, so which is it? Tom Brady being cooked? I mean, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers being cooked or these dudes not getting open? And the answer is yes. Yes. There it is, right there. Like, two things can be the case at one time. And they look bad. They look bad. I mean, like, they look bad, he looks bad. What does that shape up as? And the thing about Aaron Rodgers looking bad, in spite of the fact that he looked so good these last two years, even though he did not look so good the two years before, Hey, man, this is year 18 for Aaron Rodgers. You can say that he got the ride to Oak for the first three years, but age is age. He's still the dude that he is. This is year 18. And something I've been trying to say over and over again, it relates to this, it relates in the NBA, it relates in a few other places, and it's just a thing that I feel like we try to skip over for reasons that don't always make all the sense in the world to me. These dudes do, in fact, get old. And it means something different with a dude like Aaron Rodgers in a way that it doesn't necessarily mean with Tom Brady in that, yes, these dudes get old, but the Aaron Rodgers game is largely predicated on athleticism. And when physically that athleticism starts to slip, you're going to see the impact on his play happen a bit faster than you'll see the impact of a decline on a dude like, say, Aaron Rodgers. Or put it like this. Peyton Manning, after he had the neck surgery in 2011, was able to come back and look reasonably like the Peyton Manning that we'd seen before. We saw him put up numbers like we had never seen him put up before. And that was a guy who would always put up um, incredible numbers. We'd seen that. But the Peyton Manning game is not predicated on athleticism. I was surprised he came back in the way that he did. But if he was a dude that needed to move around and he out there with a trick neck, that right there wasn't really going to happen. With Rodgers, it's not happening like it seems to have happened thus far with Russell Wilson, where he's just immediately gone off a cliff, though there was a bit of a gradual decline. But there's still something to that. The Russell Wilson game is largely predicated on athleticism. And when the athleticism isn't there, or in the case of Wilson, he doesn't want to use the athleticism if it is there, then the results are going to be immediate. You can look at it in basketball. Russell Westbrook is an example. Allen Iverson is an example. Like These guys where so much of what you do is athleticism, the margins on that are very, very thin because even the guys that are super excellent athletes aren't that much more athletic than the other guys that they're playing against. And so once they take a small marginal change and they start looking more like everybody else, oh, baby, we got a problem. And that's where you are at this point with Aaron Rodgers. At least that's part of what I think it is. Yeah, you don't have Devontae Adams, but I mean, you go there and you look at what's going on with the Raiders. We're not talking about Randy Moss here necessarily, right? Like, Although I guess when Randy Moss went to the Raiders, he didn't look like Randy Moss either. So hey, maybe I'm being a little too hard on Devontae Adams and maybe this is about the circumstances that surround him as much as anything else. But quarterback changing of the guard, right? Like we saw it last week with uh, Mahomes and Allen where you're just like, yo, these are the two guys that we're going to be out here seeing forever. Okay, we see that, we acknowledge that, we roll with that. But what I didn't think was going to quite happen is those two dudes that we looked at on the top, almost like they're the kings, like, they are at this point, like, Paul McCartney's still the biggest rock star in the world, but Paul McCartney ain't got heat, right? Like, Mick Jagger's probably the second biggest rock star in the world, but it's not like Rick Mick Jagger's heat. That's what these two guys are. And every now and then, they can put out a jam, right? Like, you you know, the, Paul McCartney can still get you a jam, but Paul McCartney ain't putting together no album that you really want to check out the stones ain't putting together no album that you really want to check out but if you told me they was playing they could probably put together a jam that's where we are with these dudes man but it's interesting that it's happening with them this year and the reason i say it's interesting is gabe i don't know about you but you look around this nfl man and i spy mediocrity at every turn so the nfc east I watched a decent bit of that Giants game. And man, it's hard not to feel like a hater after you watch them win another game and you still they still think they're not good. But they got two and a possible over there in the NFC East with regards to legitimately good teams. They got two and a possible. The AFC East, they got, I guess, one and two possibles because, I mean, they are still the Jets. They are still the Dolphins, right? They got like one and two possibles. The AFC North, I don't know if there's a good team in the AFC North. The AFC South, I almost feel confident saying there's not a good team in the AFC South. We thought the AFC West was going to be murderer's row this year. There appears to be one good team in the AFC West. In the NFC West, is there a good team? I don't know. Is there a good team in the NFC South? I don't know. Is there a good team in the NFC North? If there is, their quarterback is Kirk Cousins. And what we have is parody. Now, what everybody likes to talk about the NFL is how dope it is. Is parody. Anybody has a chance to win. Anybody has a chance to win feels good when everybody seems to be good, as opposed to just this glut of ochre that we seem to have in the NFL right now. Don't get me wrong. It's going to ultimately turn out to be fun. It's going to be entertaining, right? We will find our way to enjoy it because football has that quality to it. But yuck. We got the two top dudes in the league for the better part of the last decade and change falling off, and we got a bunch of mediocre teams coming up behind them. Damn, good thing we really love this, because if this was going on in the NBA, we would be complaining. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. All right, man, NBA action! It is fantastic. It is back. I've watched a decent bit of NBA this year. I have found myself enjoying it thus far. And for those who did not know, yes, Zion is already hurt. Um, it's not like one of them Zion injuries that make you for real worry. He went up and tried to cut back and bang on somebody and fell on his back. You know, so they they dealing with that. They they figuring that part out. But I start off talking about the Pelicans because I got my man Gabe here. Gabe is a Lakers fan. And I'm just curious. Did you think after the Anthony Davis trade that four years later, or or three years later, that the Pelicans would unquestionably be better than the Lakers?
1: I don't know, man. I think when you, any time when you trade for a big star and there's a significant haul associated with it, it could flip the other way. I mean, it's not like, The Pelicans got a bunch of stars back. You know, they got Ingram. Um, But there's always that possibility you could have the Herschel Walker type scenario when you trade for someone big.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you know what's interesting about basketball is the idea that it might be a Herschel Walker situation, I think is a relatively new phenomenon, right? And this this is why I say that. The adage used to be in the NBA that basically no matter what, if you got the best player, you won the trade, right? Like, that that used to be it. And that was my thought when they decided to trade for Anthony Davis. But they're like, I, I don't know if we want to give up this guy. Like, I don't know if you remember when the Knicks were trying to get uh, Mozgov. I mean, it's not get Mozgov, get Carmelo Anthony. That trade about 10 years ago. And I just remember the Nuggets, like, I don't know, or, or the Knicks, like, I don't know, I don't know if we can give up Mozgov. You don't know if you can give up Mozgov what are you talking about? There wasn't a single player in that trade that I wouldn't have given up. Now the argument was within the Knicks wound up being depleted and they couldn't build a winner around it. But I think that had more to do with the front office than like the nature of the trade. But even with a guy like Melo, who wasn't a superstar caliber player at that time, he was just really famous. It's like, yeah, you clear the deck, you do what you got to do to get that guy. And so with Anthony Davis, it was interesting in that they made that trade and look, first year they got him, They won a championship. Right? Like, we're never going to be able to walk back that part. They won a championship. And I think, in a lot of ways, we would view a team that won a championship based on a trade like that and just say, well, anything else that happens after that is worth it. Except they haven't won a playoff series since. They did not make the play in last year. Forget about the off. They didn't make the in. All right. And now this year, there is no reasonable person that looks at the Lakers and says confidently, yeah, they'll make the play in. Again, not even the playoffs. The in. Like, can you just stand up and confidently say, hey, man, the Lakers are going to be playing a postseason game? You can't do that. And that was before they came out here and they started 0-3, right? Now, I saw something in, I want to say this was the game they played against the Clippers that really kind of blew me away, which is that team basically told me, oh, you guys think that Anthony Davis is soft. Y'all think he baby boo-boo. And the reason I say that they think he baby boo-boo is he had a play where he hit the ground and he landed hard okay, it would have been reasonable for anybody to come out of the game or lay down there or whatever because he landed hard. The Lakers clearly were on the, get up, get up, Anthony, like you do with kids where you see them fall down, you know, and you just give them a little look, but but they looking to see if anybody gonna come over there and they did that with him. It's the kind of thing that they used to do with Vince Carter and he got up and you could clearly try, like, I'm, look how tough I am. I'm going to show you guys how tough I am. It was very clear that he was trying to do that and he had no business being in the game. Like, it was obvious. They eventually had to do something about it, but it was a Tough it up, Anthony. Like, they clearly been in AD's ear being like, yo, you got to beat a man. And it's wild to me because this is a dude that's in his 11th year in the league and we're, not, we're just doing this now? Like, this is the first time that this sort of thing has come up? So they got that situation in dealing with Anthony Davis and he doesn't like playing center. The only thing I can assume is that he doesn't like playing center because he doesn't want to get banged on. Right, like He doesn't want to have these dudes leaning on him and everything else because what have I told you many times about many people? Anthony Davis is not big man. Anthony Davis is tall man. And I'm not saying that is shade to him necessarily, but he's tall man. But for them to be good or to be their best or him at his best is when he plays center. He doesn't really want to do that. So they're trying to get that part figured out. But something that struck me, I was talking to my man Vinny about this this weekend. This is a much different league than it was 10 years ago. And what I mean by that is, 10 years ago, I believe that Anthony Davis, plus even this version of LeBron James, which is not the best version of LeBron James that we've ever seen, but is still a very good player. Anthony Davis, plus this version of LeBron James, was a championship contender 10 years ago. No matter who else was out there, no matter how you spelled it, having those two guys meant that you had a chance to win a championship. Having those two guys now doesn't even mean that you're going to get into the play-in. Right? And I think that when they made the deal, it's like, look, man, you get LeBron, you get Anthony Davis, we work the rest out for there, we'll be able to get some vets and bring them in on cheap deals because they want to play for the Lakers, they want to have a chance for a championship, and we're going to be able to get this done. And what we've seen is simply not that. Like, what they needed was to do a really good job building a team around them, and the truth is, they have the Lakers front office, who doesn't do really good jobs. They just don't. Now, this is what I find interesting right now about the Lakers in this regard. If I told you a team had two players the caliber of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I'm not saying that they'd be the same guys, right? I need you to divorce the names from what I'm talking about. If I had two guys the caliber of Anthony Davis and LeBron James and the team that you had with them looked like It probably won't make the playoffs. And that team also had Russell Westbrook at his salary on the roster. It would be time to tear this whole thing down, right? Because it's not like you hear people talking about making the trades for Westbrook and Westbrook has been bad. And it's sad for me to watch because he's clearly trying, right? but Westbrook is like yo if I can't make an open 15 foot jumper then I shouldn't be on the floor now of course the answer may be you shouldn't be on the floor but if you put him out there he's gonna take the open 15 foot jumper whether he can make it or not okay that's just what it's gonna be but with the payroll that they have and what the fortunes of this team appear to be headed toward you tear this down it's start over it's planned for the future But they can't do that because there is no plan for the future generally with LeBron James, but specifically with year 20 LeBron James. That's not what it's about. He's not even trade eligible, I don't believe, until next year. And so where you get LeBron James normally is to raise the ceiling of your team. What if the problem right now they have is that LeBron James is interfering with their floor? Cuz look, they've traded away their first round pick for 2023. They don't have one. They can't even go out here and tank it out to get uh get to get uh, what's his name? Uh Big France. Right? They can't even they don't even have the option of being sorry to try to get him if they wind up being extra terrible it's possible that big Frenchie might wind up with the pelicans because the pelicans have the pick because if you're the lakers why are you worried about having your first round pick in 2023 if you were going to have lebron james and anthony davis right like this is an afterthought and i was right there with them it's not like we're gonna be sorry they they sorry like they out here being sorry So they can't even like bottom this whole thing out. They don't have that option. They could, in theory, be like, yo, what can we get for Anthony Davis? Because I still think you could get a lot for Anthony Davis. And then take this thing down. But then you got LeBron over here. So what are you going to do? Let me tell you what LeBron don't give no damn about. No first round picks. First round picks are going to be dudes that are good probably after LeBron retires if he ever so decides to retire. That's what it's probably going to be. And so what they are now is stuck. It's They're stuck. So, they were better off in 2018-2019 having LeBron James. They were obviously better off in 2019-2020 having LeBron James. Now they would be much better off not having him. They would be much better off if he wasn't on the team. Because having him isn't doing that much for them. And this isn't shade to LeBron. This is no insult to LeBron. It's just the overall state of the team. And so with LeBron, everything he's doing with the Lakers, to me, appears to be a legacy play. Like, for my eyes, it's a legacy play. He said himself that he had never played for one of the marquee glamour franchises. And that's what he wanted to do. That's part of why he wanted to go to LA. I also assume that part of him wanting to go to LA also had to do with just wanting to be LA, be in LA for all the business stuff and everything else. And the additional cachet that you get in walking around LA as LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers. I think he wanted all of those things, right? But there's also the I'm chasing Kareem, right? And I don't really have a problem with him nakedly chasing the scoring record. And the reason I don't have a problem with that is he's still good. You know, like, we're not seeing a dude. Like, I remember, and this is no shade to A.C. Green, but you'll understand the comparison I'm making. A.C. Green had the longest consecutive games played streak in the NBA, and he was headed toward breaking the record. They played a game when AC was with the Suns and they were playing against the Spurs and JR Reed cocked back and elbowed AC Green in the mouth, knocked out a bunch of his teeth. One of the tougher things I've ever seen. AC Green just stopped, bent over, picked up his teeth and went back up the floor, right? It was amazing. Um, but everybody just kind of felt it was whack that his streak would have been broken over something like that. And so the Suns would just bring AC Green in for a few, game, for a few minutes in a game just so we could keep the streak going, right? It's a bit dishonest to do that, but that's what they did. That's not what's happening with LeBron, right? Like you're not bringing the dude in late in games just to to get buckets to add to the total. No, he's still a guy that should be out there. He still can put up big buckets. I also think that the scoring record for LeBron is probably important because he takes a certain measure of resentment and people acting like he's not a great scorer and he's like, look at all these points. You know, I think for him getting the scoring record, it's going to feel kind of like Hank Aaron winning the home run title in the sense that Hank Aaron never won 50 games. Now, it's not that LeBron's never scored 30 a game, that he's never won a scoring title. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, we never have thought of him as like the best scorer in the league. And I think that that's important to him to get the scoring title. Now, again, I think he should still be playing in that, on that level because he can still play. So that's not the naked legacy stuff. The most naked legacy thing LeBron has done. And maybe this isn't what LeBron is going for, okay? Maybe it's not. But, guys, do you remember when Anthony Davis came to the Lakers and LeBron was wearing number 23? And LeBron said that he was down to give up his number 23 jersey to Anthony Davis. But I guess it was too late in the game. They'd already printed up the jerseys. They had them in stores. And so LeBron did not do that. LeBron stayed with 23. And then they won a championship. And then he later changed his number to six. The number that he won in Miami. And by the way, a number he probably shouldn't have worn because Bill Russell. Like it really jumps out this year as you see the six on everybody's jerseys and you realize, yeah, you probably should have let that go. Jalen Rose is one of the first guys I saw mention that. Like you, you probably should have let that go. Olympics or not, that probably shouldn't have been what you did. But he changed his number to six. Now again, Anthony Davis wanted 23, but he's not wearing 23. He's still wearing three. So why would LeBron want to have two different jersey numbers? Gabe, are you familiar with anybody who's ever had two different jersey numbers?
1: I'm familiar with two people who uh, have had two different jersey numbers at different stages of their career.
0: Yeah, but how many of them had two different jersey numbers on the same team? Because I can only really think of one guy. That fits.
1: So Michael didn't have the j- two different numbers.
0: Well, he had the 45 he had the 45 but then he came right back to the 23. Like 45 was a blip. But who else okay. had two different numbers?
1: One Kobe
0: Bean Bryant. That's right. And what did the Lakers do with both of those jersey numbers? They retired them. They retired both of them. I could be wrong. But it's hard not to look at LeBron and think that's what he not think that's what he was going for. It's hard because otherwise there's no reason to do that. Right? Like this is there's just no need for you to make that play. It looked like his play was to try to get him two numbers up there in the rafters, just like Kobe got two numbers up there in the rafters. But the thing is, Kobe won championships with both of those numbers. Multiple championships with both of those numbers. And he's Kobe Bryant. Okay? You ain't never gonna be in LA where Kobe Bryant was, and that's no shade to you. There's Kobe, there's Magic, and then there's the rest of these dudes. Kareem ain't what Kobe is. Kareem ain't what Magic is. Like, that's what it is. You ain't gonna be that you ain't gonna be theirs because Kobe and Magic were theirs. It's not going to happen. But so much of what LeBron's doing, when you look at it in the context of that, it's it's shoring up legacy. A legacy, by the way, that is what it is. Right? At this point, if there was another championship involved, if you get to five or you maybe get to six, okay, now maybe we're talking about something different, but that's not what we're talking about now, is it? And so what the Lakers have here is something that's going to look kind of sad as this thing progresses, which is LeBron playing for LeBron stuff while the Lakers are not capable of really playing for Lakers stuff, right? Is LeBron going to come in there next year and be like, hey, you know, because if he's still trying to win then you ask for a trade and if you're the lakers you say thank you when you try to trade him i don't know what you can get for him necessarily but you can't plan for the future while lebron's on the team and it is very clear they need to tear this whole thing down and plan for the future all these little short-term fixes for this year i don't see how they're going to help like i was reading some about how they're thinking about trying to get buddy healed and miles turner what are you what are you doing with miles turner if you already have anthony davis Like, Miles Turner seems like like a lesser version of what you already have, strengths and weaknesses. Why is it that you want to do that? It would be cool if you got Buddy healed. Then you'll probably make the play-in. But that's all we're talking about is playing for the play-in. Like, are they in a position where they can really make a giant move to get better? Maybe you get Westbrook out of there and they freeze up some space and you can make something happen. I don't know, but I don't see it. And so they're going to be in a situation where – They can't get good enough to do anything that matters. And they can't get sorry enough to do anything that helps because they're not going to wind up having their picks. And what we're going to have is LeBron James, still fairly excellent, stuck in a bizarre basketball purgatory, playing for personal records. And that's not going to look good.
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. All right, this first story comes from politics.
2: America's leaders are pretty old. That's hardly news. What is news, as Insider revealed in a 30-part series we're calling Red, White, and Gray, is that America's leaders are older than they've ever been before. Meanwhile, the generation gap between those who are leading and those who are being led is wider than it's ever been in American history. Gerontocracy in the United States, a term defined simply as rule by those who are aged, is real and it's widespread. It's present in Congress, the judiciary, the judiciary and the executive branch. About half of all Americans are 38 years or younger. Only about 5% of Congress is. It's not uncommon for federal judges in their 80s or 90s or even their hundreds to hear cases of profound importance. Oh, and the two oldest presidents that we've ever had, their names are Donald Trump and Joe Biden. It's entirely possible they'll run again against each other two years from now. Our government, it turns out, is becoming less and less reflective of the youthful society that it represents. That's why Insider spent much of this year creating, reporting, and publishing Red, White, and Gray. We wanted to explore the costs, the benefits, and the dangers of life in a democracy that's helmed by those of advanced age, where issues affecting the nation's youth and our future, technology, civil rights, the environment, energy,
3: are largely in the
2: hands of those whose primes have passed. The question now is, what's next? Ideas such as term limits and age limits have significant bipartisan appeal. We found that after commissioning a nationwide poll. Americans would also like their leaders to release more information about, for example, their health and their well-being. And of course, there's a big election on November 8th. Traditionally, young people, well, they tend to stay home during midterm elections. But given what's at stake, there are indications that that could change and change very soon.
0: Yo, so I'm always like a little bit torn on this. Because I do think with age comes like a measure of wisdom and you know things and you, you know, like there's a reason why these old people keep with it. It is not just name recognition. Part of it is uh, the people in power are getting older and staying older, but also old people are getting older and staying older. And so older people are more likely to then vote for older people. And we could say that the generation of leaders is not reflective of the youthful society but the idea of society being youthful is not new that has something to do with the fact that youthful people don't tend to be so excited about voting uh you know and all the things that come with it um and I read that story some of the stats I thought were deceptive because it was kind of like yo look how many times the president has been older than his cabinet or like what percentage of that and so Bill Clinton who was a young president was younger than his cabinet, and obama who was a young president was younger than his cabinet but reagan and biden and trump who were old presidents what do you know they were older than their cabinets you don't say right like that's how that thing is going to ultimately play out but to me the issue is not the fact that it's older people in charge it's that a lot of these older people have been in charge since they were younger and then they just stay forever like that to me seems to be the issue much more so than the actual age of the people who are involved you can't get these dudes out of here like Joe Biden has been in Washington in some capacity with the exception of a four-year break for 50 years Uh, you might be able to bring in an old dude who can help like for example if Bernie Sanders wins this, I don't think you hear as much complaining about Bernie Sanders being old, even though Bernie Sanders is old. You know what I mean? But it's, Bernie would come across as being new, right? And that would, that I think is where you start getting into, getting into this. And the fact that old people still want to do these jobs, like that's the wildest thing to me about Joe Biden. Joe Biden's so damn old and still want to be the president? Man, I'm trying to play golf, dog. I'm this, this would not be what I would want to do if I was that damn old. That's just me. But these old cats want to keep going. And the only solution is to stop voting for them. Like, like if the society doesn't want all these old people, then stop voting for all these old people. I'm not saying to stop doing it just because they old, but stop doing it if that's what the case is. But that's not how we plan this that's not where we're going and these old dudes make all the contacts and then as being old people they can bring young people up and then the young people wind up having some measure of loyalty to them that's what you saw in 08 before everybody came around to the obama program it was like yo man these clintons done, done some things for them and that's probably gonna pay off more for us down the line and then obama came around and it was like hey new fella why don't we go talk to you but now we got too many old people and by the way Based on what we've talked about in this episode, and I did not make this connection intentionally, but here it is. Gabe, isn't that kind of what I was talking about with the Lakers and kind of what I was talking about with Eric Rodgers and kind of what I was talking about Tom Brady? These old people just sticking around a little bit too long.
1: That's exactly what you were talking about.
0: Yep, that's just all it is. You just, hey man, these cats want to stick around. You got to, if you want them out, you got to get them out.
1: All right, Bo, this next story comes from Tech.
4: The Netherlands has deployed NATO's first killer robots on the ground. Drones in the sky have been a thing for decades now. People have long worried that the killer robots of the sky would soon come down to Earth. Well, they're here, and in fact, they've been here for a while. The Dutch robots are called tracked hybrid modular infantry systems, and they look a little bit like tanks. The robots can carry a variety of weapons, but the Dutch models seem to be equipped with heavy machine guns. The Dutch deployed them in Lithuania on September 12th. Commander in the Royal Netherlands Army in charge of the robots called them an experiment. Quote, To my knowledge, we have not seen this before in the West. The machines have been handed over for experimental use in an operational unit in a military-relevant environment. These are not simply tests on a training ground. We are under the direct eyes and ears of the Russians, and as such, in a semi-operational environment. The key word here is West. Militaries all over the world have been developing armed-ground robots for years now. Russia first deployed them in Syria in 2018. but Reports say they didn't work very well. It had trouble getting over terrain, and apparently the range from the controller to the robot was too short. The U.S. military is also developing robot tanks, but they're still testing them. When people think of military robots, they often think of the Boston Dynamics dog carrying an assault rifle. And recently, Boston Dynamics and five other companies pledged not to weaponize the robots. know, it's a nice sentiment, but they aren't the only six robot companies in town. And the truth is, the killer drones are already
5: here.
0: I did not look at the robots. I will look at the robots right now. I, 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 land-bound killer robots, it just, it just all feels like terrible news. Like, 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 I don't know what it is that I'm missing, or the killer, is that these tanks? Yes. Odd! So, so, so. So, I mean, look, 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 look here, man. I ain't talking about, like, lionizing, um, you know, war and all of this stuff or whatever. But we taking all the courage out of it, right? Like, here's the, the, the thing that's worrisome is once you start, like, lowering the human cost of war, then war becomes a lot more attractive. And then you see a whole lot more war. Because all you're doing is just sending out there, you know, just sending stuff out there. Now, who knows? In this world that we live in, maybe uh, messing with the budget will have a greater effect than killing people. I don't know what it is. But the world becomes more and more uncivil the less courage it takes for you to kill somebody, right? The farther away you can be while killing somebody makes things more and more bad, worse or and Warsaw. I know worse is not a word, but you feel me. Like that's what I think anytime I start hearing about these things and their ability to do this, and like, oh yeah, well it eliminates the human cost, except you dropping them bombs on people and things that do affect people. Like what this stuff you're talking about, you know, people are gonna eventually wind up being on the other end. So you set this up, well, we're just gonna send some robots in here and then go from there. What? What? We are in the future, dog, and it is terrifying.
1: All right, so this last story the reporter fell ill over the weekend. So, alas, I have to give a short, uh, synopsis on it, but it comes from music. Uh, the fans of the K-pop band BTS were heartbroken this past week, though, when, uh, it was announced that the group's members were going to be serving in the South Korean military, meaning no new tours and no new music for a couple of years while they're, you know, handling their service, um... But what's interesting, though, it, when you think about it, is how much of an impact this is going to have on the uh, South Korean economy. It's going to be pretty devastating. Um, in 2018, the Hyundai Research Institute said that BTS was contributing more than 30, no, 3.6 billion to the South Korean economy every year. Equivalent to the contribution of 26 mid-sized companies. And between 2014 and 2023, analysts projected that BTS would have contributed 29 billion to or around 29 billion to the South Korean economy if the band had maintained its popularity. The band's commercial success has also lined the pockets of its members. Collectively, BTS has a net worth or had a net worth of $50 million by 2020. Your thoughts, Bo?
0: Yo, so um, the whole K-pop thing is just really interesting to me because this is another wave. Um, we had this with the boy band wave of the late 90s and early 2000s and then the K-pop thing that, I mean, they're new addition. And there's no denying that. Like, I don't think anybody's trying to hide from that fact. There's just been this run of boy bands that looked up and saw a new Edition and were just like, yo, but imagine how successful they could be if they weren't black. Right? Like, it's just such a great testament to, like, how people feel about us. It's like, yo, a black person did it? Let's do the same thing and not black and watch what happens. And you do see, in fact, what happened. Right? Like, you saw how it blew up for the Backstreet Boys and seeing 98 Degrees, all this stuff. And then these guys. So, like, every time I see the K-pop phenomenon and it's so clearly and transparently just we're doing the new edition thing just like it was done before, I always just kind of get stuck and shake my hand. But, you know, Gabe, I'm not, like, the K-pop thing. It ain't really my bag. It's not what I do. It's no, you know, no shade. Like, I'm not going to say anything bad about it because I'm not familiar enough. What are they going to have them... Have you seen anything about what they're going to have them do, like, as their duties in the military? Um, And I ask that because... You know, you get like the Joe Lewises and all these people, you know, famous celebrities who wound up becoming soldiers at various points in America. But then they just went over there and they were famous people in the military. Right. Like Joe Lewis do boxing exhibitions or you go and you're a singer, you go and do shows or whatever it is. Um, You know, is that what they're going to do? Like, is that going to be it? Are they going to be really out there? I would love it if one of them boys in BTS goes over to war, you know, goes over to Korea and gets in the military, comes back a whole new man whole new perspective on things it could be good it could be bad you know but you get one of those that come back and he just tatted all the way down to the knuckles you know what i'm saying like i'd i be very curious to see that but yeah now them boys make a lot of money man like like that that whole setup that they've got over there they've built quite an industry and these guys are getting a lot of credit uh for their willingness to join the korean military but gabe you correct me if i'm wrong man they ain't been in no war no time recently have they
1: no um it's just what's interesting about it is that they can't make any exceptions. You know, I yeah. mean, I guess if like you're going to do mandatory military service, if you let people skip it, then other people are going to want out of it, too. So you've got to do that. But,
0: yeah, yeah, not great. i tell you who's not impressed by that at all. Our Israeli brothers. They're like, you're damn right. Everybody got to come over here and fight. We always fighting. Our voicemails are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve.
4: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are
5: waiting. Go to your happy place. Got your happy price, price line
6: Hey,
0: this is Bo Monty. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace.
1: All right, Bo. Voicemail time. What made you think of this particular topic? Because it's very particular.
0: Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of who it was that I was thinking about that got wore out by security. Um, But if you've ever seen somebody get worn out by security, especially somebody who deserved it, man, it is highly entertaining. And so I knew you guys had seen something like that and thought you'd be able to come through for us. I also forgot to do a voicemail video when we were doing the show last week and I had to come up with something in a pinch.
1: Well, you came up with a good topic because we got some good ones for today. Our first one comes from Neon Atlanta. Here it is.
3: Hey, Bo-Money. My name is Neil. I'm out from Atlanta, Georgia, and uh have an interesting story to tell you about security. So I'm a physician, and when I was an intern, I had to work in the hospital overnight. So when you're an intern, you're kind of the low person on the, the hierarchy, and when that happens, you have to go to all the calls. Every time a nurse needs something, they're going to call the intern. Well, one night, there was a guy there who was – withdrawing from something. I don't know, cocaine, LSD, something, but he was acting a plumb fool. I'm talking about ripping out IVs, throwing stuff at nurses, peeing on the floor, you name it, he was doing it. Acting a fool. So nurses look at me like, I'm going to do something. And I told them, clearly, I don't get paid for that. So we end up calling security and that's something called a cold break. So security comes up there and this dude is just acting a fool. And I'm looking at security like this is not going to work out, man. And the, just the older security guy, probably right in his fifties, seen a lot. You can tell. He walks in that room. He says, "What do you need, Doc?" I said, "I need to take. I need to, need to take the shot. He needs a shot to calm down." Security guard looks at that guy. stands right of his face. He said, "Look." He said, "Either you gonna take the shot from Doc, or I'ma give you the shot." What's it gonna be? And I tell you, boy, that man sobered up so quick that security guard knew he wasn't playing around. He said, "Man, I just, I just hit the shot from the doctor, man." He walked over there, calm as could be. Let me give him that shot. He went to sleep. Security dude just walked out the hospital, walked out the room like didn't happen, man. At that point, I knew, man, security ain't nothing to play with. <laughs> all right, Bo, love the show, man. Have a good
4: one.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's all he needed to see. Like you get that vibe
0: quick. You know, you know when it ain't the one. You know what I'm saying? At least that was a security situation where there was room for some talking. Because normally security, they get to the jibber-jabber later.
1: All right, this next one comes
5: from Leon in New York. Yo, Gabe, Bomani, what's up? This is Leon from New York. So I went to school in Massachusetts, right? I'm a New York City kid, so I went up there, and a couple of dudes that I met up in school was like, yeah, yo, we could go clubbing this weekend. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a freshman, so I'm like, yeah, let, let's do it. I'm, I'm with it. Let's see what the scene is looking like out here. Um, And the dude that actually invited me was my man, Gary. And my man, Gary, tells me, yo, we good. We don't have to pay cover charge because I know the DJ. And so, you know, college times, you know, you ain't got that much money in your pocket. So once he said cover charge is covered, I'm like, oh, man, this is extra money in my pocket. That's a couple more drinks for me in the night, right? Perfect. So we get to the venue, and obviously it's a line because it's like a popular club in downtown Boston. And when we get there, he go up to the front of the line. Me knowing how things work, I'm like, Dan, this, I could already tell this is not going to work. But he go up to the security security guard, and he tell him, oh, yeah, yo, my boy's the DJ. We good. And the security guard is like, my man, that's good for you, but that don't mean nothing to me. So my man back out a little bit. He tried to, like, play it off, and he's like, yo, everybody give me a 10. It's like four of us. Again, I'm from New York City. You ain't about to change no security guard life with for $40. But my man thought it was a good idea. So Gary go back up to the dude and is like, yo, try to, like, gap him up, <laughs> pass him to 40 The dude, the security guard, looked at how much money was it. He was like, yo, brother, take your little New York Yankee City cat cap money back and legit just, like, embarrassed the life out of my man in front of everybody in that little club venue i i I still to this day was like we we had to kind of game plan better than forty dollars but that's that's the time where it kind of wasn't really me but it was my man thinking that he knew the dj and knowing the dj do not mean nothing especially if you're about to pull up with forty
1: dollars yeah 40 bucks means something different to Different people, right? $40.
0: Hey, man, freshman in college, I might have thought $40 was making something happen, too. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing like the end of that age where you realize, oh, the money it takes to make things happen is far more than I actually have in my pocket. Got it. Man, 40 in my day wouldn't have got you nowhere, and that 40 then is probably like a hundo now.
1: All right, this last story, the guy didn't leave his name or where he's from, but it's a good one to close this out. Here
6: it is. All right, Bob Money. There was a uh, in undergrad, where not enough respect was paid to security, and, and, and frankly, I was the person who didn't pay no respect to security. Now it was <laughs> it was undergrad summertime, so in between classes, you know, everybody going out, things of that nature. But I was only 20 years old, and usually I, I could slide into the club without too much trouble. But this time I decided to car and my homeboy was able to talk me into the club. So the the bouncer, um, you know, eventually broke down and let me in. Before he let me in, he made sure to stop me and tell me. He said, don't let me see you drinking anything. Don't let me see you doing anything. I'm like, i bet. That's no problem. Thank you for, for your generosity, sir. So we get inside, having a good time, doing doing dances. The whole nine is mid us, So, you know, it's, it's that time. Um, And somehow, some way, somebody probably bumped into somebody in the wrong way. And so... Me and my friends started getting into it with whoever whomever else was in the book. Um, And saw somebody kind of push our homegirl. So you know, we were like, all right, we can't have that. Ran up on guy. I ran up on one dude, hit him with one foul. Just as soon as I threw that first punch, the original bouncer told me, don't let me see you drinking, don't let me see you doing anything. I had, I have no idea where he came from. He was, he had to be outside of my peripheral. He just, he, he rose up out of nowhere, gave me one just swift bop to the top of the head. He, he was like a, a foot taller than me, bigger than me the whole night. Just wow. gave me one that backed me up a little bit. Then he just picked me up, tossed me out of the club, which I appreciate because I, I, I definitely didn't want to get the stomp out. Um, but that was definitely one time where I was like, all right, well, I probably should have had a little bit more attention to this dude because uh he, he probably already was mad enough about me being in there so that's that's my story about security not getting enough uh respect
0: bruh you and security had established rapport you should have just gone and got him and told him to do it security loved nothing else but the opportunity than to run up on some dude treating women bad that's why they wake up in the morning instead you got boxed. you got whack-a-mole damn tough life But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week, Gabe Gabe Basset and handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Dave Leventhal of Business Insider. Check out his story on America's gerontocracy and weakening democracy. Thanks to Matthew Galt of Vice. Check out his story on how the Netherlands has deployed killer ground robots remember follow the right time rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days take it easy thanks for checking out the right time with bomani jones podcast
3: you can listen or follow on the espn app or wherever you listen to podcasts
0: the right time
3: with bomani jones